Commander, that, that, that one thing in space, whatever it is, is moving. Shit. It's basically but he dictating also what's acceptable yeah. to society it, 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 under the guise of entertainment. <laughs> I love it. I was thinking <laughs> the same thing. thing. Just the lowest of the low. You know, I used to get mad when they had those police chases, those shows. I do still. And they never show somebody getting away. Right. I understand they have to project something like that. Moving. If you have the guy getting caught every time, there's no reason for me to watch. Toward the inner planets. I don't think they have a season finale or something, but like, how fast was it moving? Oh, crap. Maybe we'll get that guy next season. The descent of entertainment we've witnessed in our lifetimes and kind of beyond. I thought I was going space happy for certain. We read books that maybe weren't written in our lifetime. You know, we kind of mm -hmm. are aware of how, how things in the course of things. You can chart almost sort of like from these choosing your own adventure books, like this descent of entertainment. And yeah, you see that kind of like complete deadening of motivations. Like you said, I know exactly what's going to happen. Are you ready for that granograph test? Every single fucking time they want the same exact thing. Backsplash on the kitchen. And then at the end, everything turns out great and they love it. You want to mm -hmm. see, they, at the end, they say, This was the biggest mistake I made <laughs> yeah, in my life. Absolutely. I want my money back, you asshole. <laughs> I, I went bankrupt and I can't afford this house now. And I think every single one of those families had to sell their house because they built all these additions. Yeah, the taxes are probably the like, welcome to reading. the world's only choose-your-own-adventure literary podcast. I'm Bill Lyon. And I'm Brian Ward. And I think that spokesman's in rehab. Choose-your-own-adventure number seven, the third, third planet, planet from Altair. Edward Packard's first book in outer space. Can you believe it, Bill? Love I can't believe Pickens this is Edward is Packard's it. first space yeah, book. Yeah. He thought he would have written one by now. I just want to bring Pickens back to life. Just, just so fast. We need a character. So let's just dive back into when Pickens was alive and not so healthy, but still he was, he was still, he still had a pulse. The aliens do not speak again. Soon, orange shimmering lights begin to race about your brain. You realize that you are going to black out. Suddenly, the Aloha is violently wrenched from its orbit by an overwhelming force. Then, it seems to be perfectly still in space, while galaxies hurtle by and stars explode, bursting like skyrockets, shedding white sparks against the blackness of space. You look at Pickens. His face is filled with horror. The aliens are dragging us, not through space, but through time. To their time, he says. Look at the data analysis screen, you say. The galaxies are moving closer together. That means the universe has stopped expanding. It is now contracting. We must be very, very far in the future. Yes, but look at screen eight, Pickens replies. We are very close to a solar system like our own. You manipulate the computer's controls. In a few moments, you get this report. There is a 15% chance of returning to Earth by activating the chronostan. Failure would mean instant annihilation. <laughs> I don't even know what to say about this. I want to run a brainograph test. Yes, sir. Here's a choice. If you try to return from the future by activating the chronostan, do this, you know, turn to this page. Mm -hmm. If you wait to see if you can find a less risky way to return to Earth, time slash space, turn to page whatever. The chronostan, even though being part of your ship, 
is kind of like a button that just goes fucking crazy. <laughs> and it's never explained. This chronostan is basically just a freakout button. Oh, here's a top priority bulletin from communication, sir. Well, isn't it a substance also, too? I thought it was a substance that makes time travel possible. It's written in lowercase. It's not like the, the chronostan. So I never understood. I thought it was just basically a, a thing that they activated. What do you mean? A hyperspace. But it was like a random hyperspace. Every time they use it, they either <laughs> they either wake up on the verge of a black hole, or they wake up and one of them's dead. You know, every time somebody's passing out, they're being ripped apart. It's just baffling. I love that too. Like the adjectives that give drama to it are just numbers. You, in some of them, it'll be like you're 400 million years in the future. Yeah, or you you're, have a 15 percent chance yeah. of being 400. You're 20 million years in the past, or mm. you're. It's like I need to make this even more extreme. You're four trillion. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. Just whatever. A robot space freighter vanished. I mean, you're not fighting anything, though. You're, like, fighting space-time. Well, I think that's kind of <laughs> cool, too. Is that, like, they're not taking us back in space. They're taking us back in time. Then just disappeared. What's some other dimensions? Oh, do I know any dimensions? How many dimensions do you know? Well, I don't know. Well, there's, like, 11, but I don't know what any of them are called. Oh, you mean in, like, the anti-de-sitter space theory kind of thing? Yeah, like, uh, exactly. Yeah. So there's, like, time in space. It was there like mass? <laughs> They're taking us further into mass. <laughs> Journey to mass. Not a trace on the view scope. You know, it's so it's so ridiculous and illogical. But I was I love the Chronostan. I love the the just the, the sheer chaos. Hurtling from one catastrophe to the next. Midway between Mercury and Venus, sir. You can't bring yourself to take a 15% chance. But you and Pickens and the computer fail to devise a better escape mode. Wearily, you turn to the windows and gaze out. For what seems like only a few minutes, you watch the sky growing brighter and brighter as the stars and galaxies fall toward a common center. Soon, the sky around you is almost a sheet of white light. The temperature is rising rapidly. We are about to have the singular experience, says Pickens, of being present at the end of our universe. And perhaps, you reply, at the beginning of the next one, the end. Only Pickens can deliver an ending line like that. When you try to do it, it rings. It falls flat. So false. Yeah. What a way for the universe to end, the Pickens to have this amazing line for you yeah. to fuck it up. Ugh. Just trying to double down on mm -hmm. the same exact thing. Yeah, I think we'll cancel that brainograph test. He's just excited to die. Yeah. That's awesome. Dumb kid. Oh, man. Also, um, if you're ever, if you're curious, the end of the universe and the beginning of another looks like a, an egg over medium. Tapping. Yes, sir. Tapping. Yes, sir. Where did this happen? Tapping. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Yeah, just maybe, you know, just a fried egg. Sure. Yeah. Just doesn't look that cool. Yeah. An extremely lazy Susan. Get my ship ready immediately. Underwater, Underwater city, city and other, other antimatter, antimatter stuff crap. Oh, <laughs>
stuck on Altair 3 forever with scientists. Run out of rocket fuel and explode or drown or something. The word friendship as a deus ex machina. TOA device puts you on two-year-long rescue mission with old scientist companion. Disintegrated or something for no reason. Crash land in ocean or crash land on land. America's favorite character, Blue Nose, the underwater robot, makes a return. Attack underwater city with neutron laser or don't be a total dick. Talk to underwater aliens. Underwater city. Stay forever or never return. Learn history of civilization whose entire civilization is based on building a spaceship and fleeing their civilization. Escape, but everyone's dead? Huh? Wait for science to discover a way to combat antimatter storms before you meet aliens. The moral of this book. Alien building kills you. Frozen aliens are in a spaceship and never feel lonely. Hypnotize into other universe. Well, a lot happening here, huh? Dear God. Yeah, this is some pretty boring stuff, Brian. We've talked about a lot of this already. Um, there sounds to be a lot of technological failures. Yeah. You got this Cronistan still making a comeback. Oh, that wacky Cronistan? Time machine stuff breaking down. Mm -hmm. Time travel. Whatever, whatever, whatever. Um, um, these aliens again don't have a civilization like we keep talking about. Um, we're back underwater. underwater. Even in a space book, you're underwater. If you're in the desert, you're in space. Happy establish a zigzag course toward the sun. That's the four. Life is just filtered through those things. The four elements. Yeah. <laughs> Earth, wind, water, fire. Yeah. You've got Reduce our velocity to 10,000 DUs. Alien, cave, space. And, and water again. Or like paper, rock, scissors. We should play like water, desert, cave. <laughs> what it beats what? Let's talk about that for a second. Water, desert, huh. cave. What you got? In a few minutes, we'll cross the Venus orbiter. Well, there's aliens. Oh, okay. aliens live underwater sometimes. Do you think aliens is more than cave? I think uh, more. No, cave is definite. Cave, water, alien, maybe. Because desert isn't there as much. Yeah, I, I think, think cave would have to beat cave underwater alien. Those are our three. So an alien would would an alien drown? Okay, I think water beats the cave because water floods. Yeah, the water cave. beats cave. Cave has to beat alien. I think then. an alien would beat a cave because an alien would <laughs> get out of a cave. An alien would be from somewhere else, caveless. Potentially. This is the craziest search I've ever been on, Commander. Then cave would have to beat water. So then water would drown an alien. Okay. So how does cave beat water? Well, water would beat cave. <laughs> this is like the Seinfeld thing where it's like rock beats everything. <laughs> well, you hit the chronostan and then you always win. Uh, um, so this choice is really funny to me, Brian. Um, on page 105. You meet these aliens underwater, but you just meet them just for like a second. It's like, okay, we discovered these aliens, and the aliens are like, quick, you gotta run, uh, because this antimatter storm is gonna kill everything, and we're safe in our underwater... We're looking for something that isn't here. Dome. Dome. Mm -hmm. And so, but they quickly say, your crew says, why don't you stay with these aliens forever in their underwater dome, mm -hmm. and we'll try to make a run for it, but we'll probably die. Sounds and so you have to make the choice, if you'll stay forever... Um, or you say that you want to leave with your crew. That's kind of a cool choice. Yeah, and so the way I kind of framed it is... It's there, all right. Do you want to live forever with aliens you never met or flee with three co-workers to almost certain death? Now, I feel like how can anyone like their co-workers enough to not <laughs> choose the aliens here? Has anyone ever loved three co-workers enough <laughs> 
fact, I mean, maybe you have a good situation. I don't know. But I'm just thinking, when I just think co-workers, mm-hmm. especially being trapped in a spaceship with them for all this uh. freaking time, aren't you, how can anyone want to be with them? Are there any, is there a situation where you would choose to be with your co-workers here or choose not choose strangers over that? Smoking rockets, Commander. For a while there, I thought we were all going to plunge right into the core of that cycloplane. I thought so too, Happy. Hmm. I thought so too, Happy. Oh. I thought so, I thought too. so too. Saying it that way. <laughs> it just doesn't show up on any instruments. I mean, I can't consider any circumstance where I would want to die with my co-workers. Seems like the worst way to die. No, wait. There's something moving across the sun. Does that change the fact? Like, say you have Jesus, Shakespeare, and, like, Michael Jordan. If you're going to die with all three of them, does that really make any difference? Actually, that might be better. Clearly. (laughs) Uh, How fast are you going to die? My answer to this is to die by your side. The pleasure, the privilege, is mine. So, it's time to play our new favorite game, Brian. It's called Complete Strangers or Coworkers. We're not necessarily talking about our coworkers right now. Just in general, throughout life, sure, no, we've had various jobs. So if any of our coworkers happen to listen to this, this isn't about you. This is just about just generic. I have a I have a 12-sided die. Mm-hmm. I'm gonna roll it, and it's like one of your work situations throughout life. Yeah, Maybe exactly. possibly even the worst one. Now you got your three, th- just three coworkers, and the three are chosen at random. Mm-hmm. Sure, you don't sure. get to pick your favorite three people you're working with. Watch a Lifetime Movie Marathon. It's going to be like 12 hours. Complete strangers or co-workers, which would you rather do that with? you got to spend 12 hours wow. in a house. Where? This could be your own house. I don't know. I don't want to be at my house. Well, it might be. Well, then if it is, I'll take the strangers. It's, I think so. Yeah. I think I'd choose the strangers. You don't have to be hospitable. That's a good point. All right, what if it's just at a random house? It could be one of these strangers' houses or at your co-worker's house. Strangers. I choose strangers in all cases here. Yep. Rather watch a 12-hour lifetime movie marathon with strangers. So I'm writing down strangers here. We got one for strangers. Okay. Survive in the wilderness for two weeks. Strangers. Strangers. Absolutely. I've had some resourceful co-workers, but the fact that you get three, I feel like I've never had three at a the same. solid group. God, I just... Yeah, I'd rather I'd rather take my chances with three I randos. Too. I would too. Solve an escape room. Have you ever been to one of these escape rooms? You know. And then we did something else. So I'm gonna say strangers. I think that could be horrible with coworkers. I've done it. You have? Have you ever heard of somebody who'll say like, that was a really good movie, but I don't ever wanna see it again. (laughs) That sounds like one of those situations like, that actually sounds pretty good. I don't ever wanna fucking do that ever again. Check the bioscope, Happy. Yes, sir. I always wanted to do one of those murder mystery. Yeah. Dinners, I've never done one to the point where now I probably wouldn't want to do it. But <laughs> You've gone too far. I can't say. No. I go to a dinner and someone really dies. I know. You, you know, that's me. one of my dreams. <laughs> one of my unrealized at goals. Our, it's a goal. It's not a dream. It's a goal. At our John Wilkes Booth's dinner theater. All booths. Remember that? Oh, that's, that's right. You can eat, you know, no tables, just all booths. All booths. Maybe we should edit that out because I don't want people stealing our idea. Yeah. Have you ever heard that? If you have a good idea, you should just tell people. Yeah. 
Yeah, let's just let's just leave it in there. Fine. Who cares? We're not gonna make that restaurant at this point. You know what? I'll reverse that. So if anyone wants to hear it, they'll have to, they'll have to <laughs> reverse the tape. How about this? This leads us into our next question: Complete strangers or coworkers? All right. Have dinner at a crowded Olive Garden. Now, I gotta tell you, the Olive Garden is so crowded, it's a Saturday night, you're gonna have to wait an hour with one of those vibrating things that tells you when your oh, table yeah, is ready. The discs. With these complete strangers or your coworkers. Am I gonna be able to hear the coworkers? You have to listen to them the whole time. Everybody's talking oh, to each other. I, I you're spending you time mean. with them, and then when you're sitting at the table, everybody's talking. Strangers. Straight, obviously, strangers. Who wants to sit with their coworkers for three fucking hours at an Olive Garden? Strangers again, it's four straight, we're going full strangers. <laughs> it's a sweep. Complete strangers or coworkers. Strangers. <laughs> Help them move from their apartment or house. Strangers? Right? Fuck yeah. Fuck yeah, strangers. Easily. Easily. They could be stronger. They might be able to really help. Well, I want to see more of their lives. What's going on? Yeah. Like, like if you work with the people, you kind of imagine what their houses are like, or you've been in there. Reverse rockets while I turn on the space phone. What, one of my favorite <laughs> things... Please. They used to have this thing in the burbs. We found what we're looking for. What is it? We don't know. The Parade of Homes. Is this an Epcot? Imagine Epcot, but with no crew, no rides, no concessions. Kind of like this book? Yeah, basically. A skeletal Epcot. So what it is, it was a, <laughs> it was a suburb built without people living there yet. All planets pull up immediately. All shipping is to avoid this sector of space until further notice. Yes, Commander. So it was all the demos of the houses. Oh, God. And you could tour these houses, and it was all staged with furniture. And oh, God. So you would, I, I guess, go through the houses and either buy the houses, or maybe they would do a development somewhere else. Ooh. Get on the ground floor, ooh, ooh, ooh. however it was. Good. You know, you could use the bathroom if you wanted. I'm sure people were having it off in the, yeah. in the bedrooms and shit if no one was around. But when I was a kid, I loved it because you were just wandering around these empty houses. Oh, you went was to this like, place? Yes, <laughs> fuck yes. Yeah. I tried to see if they were still doing it. I think one was like a couple states away. I'm like, hmm. Because <laughs> hmm. it really is a very bizarre uh, like, uh, environment because you're basically... Aboard Space Observatory number two off Saturday. It's one thing to kind of go through a neighborhood late at night, look in the houses. Oh, that guy's out. You know, you can see the way the furniture is. Like we said in Chimney Rock, kick down, kick a, down door. a door. Kick down a door. So this was basically like the conceptual version of what a suburb would look like if people <laughs> were possibly living there, but they weren't. It's like a nuclear Armageddon. It's like what would happen, you know, last day on Earth. You know, uh, I think this is going to be valuable hmm. if they preserve it maybe a thousand years from now yeah. to look back at how people, they, we should continue to do this for sure, every sure. way that people live. I wish you could go back to ancient Egypt and have this kind of shit. Have you detected any unusual phenomenon in space the last few days? Imagine that, going to like an Egyptian suburb. That'd be great. A Roman suburb. Keep using the more suburb. Keep going. Give me some more. In Aztec Ooh, suburb. Two more. Aboriginal suburb. Oh, love that one. One more. Remember that movie Space Camp? Did you say disappear? I want to give you two more. How am I doing? How am I doing? You're going pure strangers here. There, I had one, two, three, four, five. I had six, seven. I had seven. So okay. there's two more. Okay. Complete strangers or coworkers. Huh. Do a science fair project worth 60% of your final grade. 
strangers. <laughs> I mean, 60% of your final grade, you might, this one I might want to go co-worker because I know there's a certain level of competence. I might get some kind of homeless guy. I might get somebody who's right. just not, you're right, I'm going strangers. It's way better. <laughs> you're right, it's clearly strangers. Professor, there's something out there. I think he's broke again, but... <laughs> but you never know, is what I'm saying. You know? Way cooler. And I think either one of us should have enough confidence in our own meager science or bullshitting abilities bullshitting. that we would be able to take the hit, even if we got a total dud. We're failing that for the yes. experience, you're right. Now within the orbit of Venus. All right, final. Complete strangers or co-workers? Drum roll. Is this like, uh, like the price is right? Is this like the big money thing? Or is this oh, just you want to gamble seventh, them all? Or is this just the one? seventh question? <laughs> yeah. The seventh yeah. question, we're gonna add them up. Have to be their shrink for two years. You're their psychiatrist. Either three co-workers, help them through their most their darkest secrets, most personal problems, or a bunch of frickin' strangers. Well, I'm looking out into the crowd now. <laughs> Phone a friend. There's nobody. Yeah. Like this. All right, I got a bunch of black walls here strangers, looking around. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Strangers, strangers, pick a strangers. Trust the people you work with. I'm gonna say, how could uh... homeless people can't be helped through psychology? <laughs> Fucking strangers, man! It's strangers! It's full straight. Ding, 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 ding. Heat. Seven strangers. You're like the Mark Van Doren quiz show guy, or whoever it was, the Van Doren of complete strangers or co-workers. Seven, he's gonna be back. What's who's that guy who did the Jeopardy forever? The Ken Jennings. Ken Jennings, yeah. you're like Ken Jennings of co-workers or strangers. I can't believe he went seven strangers. That's unheard of. I wrote a paper about it 12 years ago. I agree. Once again, my first note on this was, mm -hmm. does anyone like their co-workers enough to not choose aliens here? Proving my point. Purely as a theoretical idea. Never choose co-workers, always strangers. <laughs> perfect strangers. That's why they call them perfect. This is no theory, it exists. Okay, we gotta read this ending here real quick. Wearing tiny rockets that will permit you to maneuver, you step out into space. The sphere appears to be made of incredibly hard ceramic material. You apply your laser torch, but it won't even scratch the surface. Then, to your astonishment, a large hatch slides open. You slip inside and a moving floor takes you into what seems to be the main chamber of the sphere. In the center of the chamber are five transparent cubicles each of them contains a sleeping humanoid, about one meter tall. You report back to the Aloha by radio. They are probably programmed to wake up at a certain time. It would be dangerous to interfere, Dr. Vivaldi says. You take photographs, make electronic copies of the ship's memory banks, and return to the Aloha. While you are studying the data you've gathered, the captain announces, Computer analysis shows that our energy resources have been drained. We must return to Earth immediately. We did not succeed in our mission, Dr. Vivaldi says, but we certainly found intelligent life in space. Somehow, Pickens remarks, I will never feel lonely again. Goddamn, I love Pickens. The end. <laughs> I love that fucking That movie. makes no sense. <laughs> Everything you're leading up to, and he just gives you this total non sequitur. 
It's just beautiful. Five minutes later, Pickens is in the corner. I'm so lonely. <laughs> Shut up, old man. Oh. Now, Pickens reminded me a lot of our um, cowardly Dr. Smith from oh, uh, yeah, Lost in Space, as mm -hmm. you know. Besides, things like meteors, cosmic missiles, and spaceships just don't disappear permanently in a gas cloud. We didn't really go into this at all because it was just too boring to go into. Mm -hmm. But you and your crew are so cowardly all the time. <laughs> There's a lot of these questions just to, like run away and abandon your crew, to yeah. like forsake your crew, to just never try to rescue anyone. It's just a lot of cowardly choices. Everyone's being cowards. Cowards. The great science fiction coward is Dr. Smith from oh, absolutely. Lost in Space. The, you know, the black and white going color a little bit, you know. Sure. You know, you astigmatic automaton. I bubble-headed booby. I used to watch Cantankerous Cold-Hearted Plump. Lost in Space. Doddering Dunderhead. When I was an elephantine Adam. Kid. Ferris Frankenstein. But it was a garrulous gargoyle. Always on hard-headed harbinger of evil. Right before you iron-born ingrate. My you jabbering jackanapes. Swimming class? Oh. You lily-livered love. So I never misshapen mummy. Got to see nattering ninny. Any obsolete oaf. Endings. Awesome. Any of those. Preening Popinjay. So it's funny. Primitive pile of pistons. When this has like pusillanimous punka. A surplus of you quivering quintessence of fear. Endings. <laughs> it's kind of like Rusty Rasputin. Finally balanced out, I think, by my <laughs> you sanctimonious scatterbrain. My my space uh, tintinabulating tin cad. My my space uh, unctuous underling. Uh, Warbling weakling. My my space uh, 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 fiction. You clinking, clanking, clattering collection of collagenous junk. Not a solid object. Yeah, there is a dearth of heroism in this book that um, I think is kind of refreshing. <laughs> sure. But it cuts off light from the sun. Captain Bud Stanton, he, you would imagine, would be the guy that would take charge, take the reins. Yeah. Gung-ho, Captain. He doesn't really make any of the decisions. He's like, anybody want to go? You know, like, <laughs> hey, hey, kid, you want to, like, take a... He literally says, he's like, want to take a spacewalk? Fuck you, call me. He's like the the boss in the English office. Yeah, you know what I mean. Yeah. Possibly a cloud of gas or tiny particles. Maybe just like the yeah, the head of he's like an HR underling or something. If the you know if the office was a hardware store and it wasn't a show, you know maybe like that. <laughs> then, then like that would be your guy. <laughs> Yeah, he has the personality and just force, commanding force, of a part-time hardware employee who doesn't talk to anyone. Well, it's funny, like, half the time that you're you're talking to him, he's under an alien mind, mind control. Yeah, right. yeah. Yeah, how does, how does Vivaldi even know the captain isn't himself? He's never even talked before. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he seems a little odd. Well, how the fuck do you know? Yeah, he was like, always odd to me. You've been working at Ace Hardware for like a week. You're just meeting everybody for the first time, and yeah. then all of a sudden, like your trainer, you know, Debbie is like, Bruce is possessed. We have to kill him. <laughs> Bruce is just back there making the keys. You know? I can tell. I can tell. There's something wrong. You have to murder him right now. 
Wait, I feel really good. I think I want to give in. I'm just going to lock him in that back room where they have all the screens that they're trying to rescreen from, like, screen doors that they're fixing. Lock him in that key-making key booth. <laughs> Until he comes to his senses. Crap, all the shower curtains are in there. Ah. It's impossible to imagine dimensions beyond the three we know. Length, breadth, and thickness. Speaking of the fine line between rate and stupid... <laughs> How about never break your own ribs? We sure found that out. A line that I found in one of these endings. 114, let me read it here. It's almost staggering in its ability to convey terribleness stupid. and wonder at the same time. This, I'm thinking, is... System error. Is basically... How about never break your own ribs? <laughs> If a pitcher comes out to the mound and throws three balls into the crowd, no, he just wants his escape pod as souped up as possible, and then throws the next one right through the catcher's mitt, right into his chest, and he like doubles over. Holy shit, what did I just see? You and the other crew members touched the Alanian's hands in a gesture of farewell. Then, this strange and wonderful creature bows and departs into the amber gloom. First of all, this strange and wonderful creature? That's stupid, and that's a Ari MacGuffin. It big time, show don't that's tell. Coming. Edward Packard is, is not immune from these Ari MacGuffins. You strange and wonderful MacGuffin. creature? I think these aliens suck in this book, and you know what? I don't know where I've been. Even Paul Granger, even Paul Granger. Think I know what it is. Every illustration in this book is good except for the aliens, which are terrible. Never tells him what they look like. They look like crap. He just has to guess what these aliens might look like, so he tries to not draw them. And you know he's a great illustrator. Great. These are his worst fucking illustrations. All of the aliens in here. Got us, Battle. What is it? So you have this strange and wonderful creature, which is stupid, but then. He bows and departs into the amber gloom. That's fucking beautiful. That could be the last line of a great 19th century novel. I'm gonna name my daughter Amber Gloom. Oh. Have you read uh, The Magic Mountain? Oh, the Thomas Mann. Yeah. Yeah. At the end of it, he comes down, enlists in the army. The last scene in the book is he just disappears in this battle. And the fog just kind of swallows them up, and that's the end of the book. Vanish completely, without an explosion or a trace. Wow, what a great exit for this character. Wow. I, I think you're right, Brian. I, did, I almost didn't want to bring the MacGuffins back because I felt like maybe I was annoying with them, and I'm almost saving them. for. But I thought throughout this book, these are MacGuffins. Yeah. There's a lot of them in here. I think we should call that the Magic Mountain. Or the Magic MacGuffin? The Magic MacGuffin, mm -hmm. yeah, where you have a beautiful piece of like pastoral imagery preceded, as you said, by like throwing three baseballs into the crowd. <laughs> Just absolute failure of telling, not showing, awful writing. Yeah. Love it. I call it a cycloplex. Cycloplex. Much as you would like to meet the third planet's inhabitants, you are unwilling to risk having to stay in the dome forever. After you make a final sensor sweep of conditions on the surface of the planet, the Aloha ascends, breaks through the waves, 
and blasts into orbit. The time has come for us to leave, the captain says. Scientific research must discover a shield against antimatter storms. Only then can we return to the third planet from Altair. The end. The moral of this book is, scientific research must discover a shield against antimatter storms. Only then can we return to the third planet from Altair. Why do we even go to this planet, Brian, if you can't go to it? Constantly, this antimatter storm is fucking you, and you never meet the aliens, really. You never find out anything. You just find out that you didn't have the technology to actually go. Check your vector for Pluto. They had the technology to go back where you came from. Why can't you use that technology to catch up? I don't know. That's just awful. This is marvelous, Commander! The moral of the book that I found, you must have total faith in the technology that will fail you. <laughs> Beautiful. That's more of like a guiding principle, I guess, than a moral. Absolutely, those exist in the same universe. No ordinary instruments register it. You might have some that will. Kind of a pessimistic book when you get down to it. This is a completely pessimistic book. It's pure pessimism. Pickens is not enough to redeem this. Well, Pickens, though, his glory is his pessimism. We're going to witness the beautiful destruction of all life and all time. He's excited about that. I've got the observatory in the view scope, sir. When they're asking him if he... Uh, I don't even think they ask him. Like, a lot of... I think <laughs> no one asks him anything. That's the beauty. No one is asking for his opinion. <laughs> <a> unprompted <laughs> non sequitur. He's almost like, uh, you know, like a, a Greek chorus or a narrator in a play or something <laughs> like that. Ooh. In our town, he shows up and... <laughs> They go somewhere or see some alien shit, and he says, I never would have thought that there was another civilization. Now I think there are infinite civilizations. <laughs> like, how the fuck did you, you make that jump? Uh, God, uh, God, uh, you know, he's, he's open, open to the cosmic beauty. Yeah. Or some sort of hope. Or just that logic has no place in life. Face lock secured, sir. You can just make conclusions whether we should just kill ourselves or we should, you know, party. Whatever his decision, just complete randomness and madness. Um, I want you to party. Yes, sir. <laughs> it's, it's like a vision of madness. Like, you remember when the captain goes crazy? Sure. We're gonna go to Denim 5. And they say, oh shit. That's the primordial fireball. That's where all creation came from. Well, how the fuck do you know that? And how come nobody ever went there before? They just make that up. They just <coughs> make <coughs> that up. I love it. When you and the captain return to the bridge, Dr. Vivaldi reports that audio sensors have picked up unusual sounds coming from Caprion, an area of space believed to be the origin of the primordial fireball, the place where the universe came into being. I recommend altering course to Caprion, Pickens says. It is there that we may find the answer to the most important question of all time, how our universe came into existence. Yes, Dr. Vivaldi says, I think our true destination is in Caprion. The captain turns to you. I think we should try to get to Altair, he says. But if you also think we should go to Caprion, that's what we'll do. All of a sudden, this possessed zombie captain is okay, and now the scientists want you to scrap this Altair crap 
to explore a primordial fireball you literally heard about five seconds ago. Does that sound hospitable? A primordial fireball? Doesn't that sound like launch into the cauldron? Well, at least there's one man in the solar system who seems to have an idea what this thing is. Sounds bad. I can't even think of an analogy here. It's, it, this is, it's MontGuffin-esque. So if you had a story, let's imagine there was a story here, and all of a sudden the story is just preempted by a much better story with the caveat that there's a threat. Like, uh, I don't know. Like, let's say there's some kind of coming-of-age novel. Like uh, To Kill a Mockingbird? Great. To Kill a Mockingbird's happening, mm -hmm. and then all of a sudden someone rushes up and says, The president has been shot. <laughs> Should we... We can get the killer. <laughs> like, why is this in this book? Why weren't we dealing with that to begin with? Why did not the book? Why didn't the book start with the president has been shot? It doesn't make sense. Well, we can either investigate the president's shooting, or we can go back to court tomorrow morning. Yeah, we can deal with this. Like, <laughs> but what's that, Boo Radley? <laughs> Truman's been shot. <laughs> it's a little later. Yeah. What's more important, I hope he'll know what to do about it. The young Truman. Just playing with them, their Future friend. Future President Truman has been, has been shot? He's six years old. I hope so. Oh, it's really hot. It's really hot here in the summertime in the southern <laughs> courtroom. <laughs> Truman's all of a sudden the southern... <laughs> I do declare. I do declare this Truman child. Let me put down, put down my mint julep. This Truman child been talking about a, a weapon that could kill us all and how he'd love to shoot it off on those Japanese. I, I think that sounds off. I don't know, Scout. I don't know, Scout. It's up to you, Scout. Should we investigate or should we go back to court tomorrow? Just all of a sudden the story is preempted by a better story. And then you don't find out anything yeah, no, about you it. Never do. And you just die right away or some shit, mm -hmm. whatever. Yep. So we're at our final section of the book, Brian. Called it Zombie Captain and the Secret of the Universe. Sounds beautiful. Again with this... Captain Zombie. Zombie says, Trust me. Aye, aye, Captain Zombie. <laughs> Trust me. I was a zombie, but now I'm not a zombie. Classic ruse. We've all heard that one before. You're not falling for that again. Chance. Cronistan. Time travel. Huh? huh? Now you're 487 million years in the future and no one freaks out? Travel 400 million years into the future only to be instantly attacked by a missile. Travel through space aimlessly forever? Dr. Pickens surprises you by knowing celestial navigation and astrology. Future fat spiders will fly you home. Possessed zombie captain is okay, and now the scientists want to scrap this Altair crap to explore a primordial fireball you literally heard about five seconds ago. Shoot the secret of the universe with a gun. Sounds right. The secret of the universe shoots you in self-defense. Violent reincarnation via never-ending story CYOA. Black hole will kill you. Vote on it. Black hole kills you. Win a gold medal for astronauts. Here's some pickings. You want some pickings right now? Of you course do. I do. <laughs> he says we would finally be alone in this part. It's just, it's, <laughs> it's touching, isn't it? The most beautiful pickings. It is, it is. Aside from his death. You say, I'm sorry, Captain. This is for your own good. And quickly lock the door of his cabin. Then you return to the bridge. Abruptly, the aloha begins to tremble. The stars on the display screen whirl into new positions. Time warp disruption, time warp disruption, says the computer. 
full-range screen presentation you call out. The whole array of stars and galaxies appears. I can hardly believe it, Dr. Vivaldi says in an odd tone. We know where we are, but we don't know when we exist. Earth may not yet have been born, or it may already have disappeared. We must activate the Cronistan, Pickens cries. It is our only hope of returning to our own time. What if we fail, you wonder aloud. Pickens thinks a moment. We might end up in a time from which we never could escape. Possibly even a time before any matter existed in the universe. We would then be totally and finally alone. The computer rates the probability of success at 32%. Dr. Favaldi and Pickens say they will trust your judgment. If you activate the chronostand, turn to page 55. If you decide to remain in the present time, whatever it is, turn to page 60. Whatever it is. Oh man, when he says, finally be alone, like what does that even mean? He's like freaking out and then he gets excited. We might end up in a time from which we could never escape. That's panic, right? Yeah, you would think. And then he doubles down on the panic to outright fear. Possibly even a time before any matter existed in the universe, which means you're fucking That's gonna bad. die a painful yes. fucking bleak death. And then he gets excited in the next sentence. We would then be totally and finally alone. Why the word finally? <laughs> not, not finality. He's no. saying finally, he's so happy. Ultimately. It's almost like he can Ultimately, we're alone. It's almost like through his panic and fear, he convinces himself that this is awesome. Into ecstasy. Yeah. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Where fear turns into salvation. Activate dance mode. Yep. He basically has a very almost romantic Five, realization. Three, two, one. Please log in the information requested. What is your password? <laughs> your password has been accepted. Make a choice for more information. Okay, yeah, no, go for 55. Now, this is more Pickens, where he starts to navigate by the stars? Or so he claims to. <laughs> he is, he's totally, it's just madness. <laughs> this, this bill basically has got the, my two favorite things in this book. It's got Pickens, it's got quality Pickens, but it's also got some Cronistan hijinks. <laughs> so when you combine these two, I'm in fucking heaven. Ready. Just relax and enjoy the ride. You insert the Chronostan program into the computer, which emits a musical tone that rises higher and higher until it becomes a searing pain shooting through your head. In a moment, you are unconscious. Sometime later, you awaken and look around. You and the three others are in another spaceship, larger and more comfortable than the Aloha. Through the enormous windows of this new ship, you can see the whole galaxy. I can tell by the arrangement of the constellations that we have traveled a few thousand years in time, Pickens says. <laughs> really? Come on. Really, old man? Oh, oh man. Uh, yeah. I mean, if he is Ptolemy, maybe he <laughs> has that knowledge. You know? Yes. It's got to get busy and do something. 
We've got to get busy and... Ptolemy Pickens? <laughs> Ptolemy Pickens. Open the inner hatch, Happy. Yeah, the, I think the last Hawaiian guy who knew celestial navigation, you know, he died in like the 70s and taught it to this one guy there. So there's some people who know it now, but man, there's no way Pickens knows every constellation in the cosmos from... And also, by the way, viewing all of the constellations from Earth yeah. would be so freaking radically different from this place you just flew to? I mean, I mean listen, like, like the, listen. Um, I know very little about this, but I know enough to know they're called parallaxes or whatever, yeah, exactly. where you try to see, you you know, you almost like the, we finally got these this Hubble t- space telescope and everything so we could see from outside, just slightly outside Earth so we can pinpoint where these stars are a little bit, but the, how radically different things would look from Altair? Yeah. There's no way! These the constellations, it's going to look so crazy, we have no concept of what you this would no look like. Relative oh my god, so he could all of a sudden two thousand years from now he's got he's got to make up constellations like, there's there's bury the cowboy you know like homer simpson or whatever you know this is the most thrilling moment of my life wow that couch is a lot nicer than the, than yeah. the old one we have about the most puzzling moment of mine all the stars are different all of a sudden pickens becomes the greatest <laughs> genius in the history of astronomy and astrology and also maybe the great have the greatest perceptual awareness like he's like bobby fisher hooked up to every computer that has ever existed his ability to just look at the stars and like his perceptual awareness is off the fucking charts yeah he's got he, you would have to be a chronostan <laughs> god if you're you know if you're an astronomer or some kind of, you know, physicist, or you have some kind of knowledge of science, please write us. Reading. Let us know how fucking crazy this pick, or maybe or it's not. real easy. Maybe you're just like, yeah, a computer would figure it out. Whatever, but I, it's... Fine, Professor, but tell me, just what is a cycloplex? He's just using his eyes. He's doing the eye test. And he's very old. Too. Oh, maybe yeah. they're cataracts. The new constellations are just dense <laughs> floaters he's got in his eyes. Yeah, there's just some bacteria in his <laughs> eyes. I'd like to study some more. Well, what if, he's still, what if you haven't time-traveled at all. What if this time travel never existed? It's just his cataracts he's this whole time. It's just He's just totally agreeing, making you panic. We're 400 million years in the future, and you're like, I have to kill the captain. And like, all this... Primordial fire... He's just not seeing correctly. The whole the whole journey is just a hallucination caused by his terrible eyesight. Yeah, it's just he's just a cosmologist. This whole and maybe he's just had his poor whole eyesight his whole life, and his whole cosmology is just completely incorrect by these bad observations. These, these floaters. There's two black holes converging in on each other. Fucking fucking cross-eyed old man. What are you doing? Uh. Speaking of failure. Man, oh man, oh man, oh man! Speaking of failure, the one time you actually get some feedback from your fellow Earthlings, you kind of make it back to Earth. You find out nothing, you bring nothing home, I think, right? And you get a gold medal for basically coming home a failure. That's a nice, uh, you know, return on your meager efforts, don't you think? Happy. 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 I, I love that the, the inscription on this medal is so insipid. It says... It's pretty bad, isn't it? In all caps, peace on Earth, peace from Earth, peace to Earth. You can't even put that in Latin. <laughs> it looks like peace from Earth is an afterthought, too. Yeah. Doesn't it look like it got scratched, scratched in. in in the middle? 
Oh, it's so dumb. It has some sort of magnetic effect. You described it perfectly. There we go. With a little eagle dangling. Yeah, for, yeah, you're right. It doesn't even look like an eagle. It looks like this bad Christmas dog. That's right. Or something. <laughs> Maybe it is a Christmas ornament. You know what? You guys came back. This ship's kind of fucked up. You all survived. They re-gifted this shit. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Here's a... You can hang this from your Christmas tree. Yeah. Have this Yankee candle, too. <laughs> One of the endings when the captain is... is gone crazy. And you have uh, the ability to act. He finally uses the word mutiny. Yeah. Which you've been committing the entire book. He finally calls you on which, it. By the way, better book, Mutiny, mutiny. on the Aloha to Altair. That bunch of space pirates. Yeah. You're like, fuck it, we don't care about this Cronistan, we don't care about this dumbass mission. We're gonna, you know what, I don't know, space pirates. I like just the three of you. Just like, yeah. let's go to Den M5. No. Or let's go to Altair. Mm -mm. It's like a bad Change office meeting. You know what I mean? You feel like you're just in this this bad, like somebody called an office meeting that was unnecessary. And you're like, oh, this could have just been an email. Why am I doing this right now? Mm -hmm. And, oh. 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 Bud Stanton has got probably some strikes behind him already. You insert your special safe card code key into the computer, thus preventing it from firing the neutron struct device. This is mutiny, the captain screams at you, but his words are lost in a thundering musical chord. In a moment, you are in darkness. All is quiet, yet some living presence is thinking with your brain. Somehow you know you are at the beginning of... Excuse me. You are at the beginning of time that you are a spirit that exists in the universe and someday will inhabit a person on Earth. First, you will be asleep for billions of years, but your awakening will seem to come only an instant later. In fact, right now. The end. So you, the reader, are a reincarnation of this dumbass in this choose your own adventure book is what he's telling you. You know what I mean? It's like, oh, you're a little kid. You're like, oh my God, I was once this stupid character in this awful story. No, there's no harm in that. I'm trying to make it good, A little Brian. bit of poetry. And hey, they use the word spirit and reincarnation. That's pretty ballsy. And mutiny. <laughs> and mutiny. <laughs> yeah, maybe the only words that involve real choice and like meaning and morality in this entire book are all on one page. Professor, this cycloplex has already destroyed a meteor, two cosmic missiles, and a robot spaceship. Because this is another part of the book where the captain wants to obliterate this light. Yeah, you like find the meaning of life in this yeah. thing, and the captain is like, we should shoot it shoot with it. a His gun. The universe shoots you back in self-defense, which is also hilarious. Ah, that would indeed be a calamity. The Aloha veers off and accelerates toward Caprion, the center of the expanding universe. Glorious harmonic sounds resonate through the ship. Your mind begins to fill with beautiful images. Through the forward port, you see a point of dazzling blue light. This is a trap, the captain cries out. Full hyperspeed reverse! But the ship does not respond. It is being pulled by an overwhelming force toward the blue light. It will be all right, Dr. Vivaldi says. Somehow, I know we can trust whatever is happening to us. 
Destination point one minute, the computer reports. Prepare to fire neutron destruct device directly at the blue light, the captain calls out. Device ready, decision time eight seconds. Stop him from firing, Dr. Vivaldi calls to you. This is our chance to learn the secret of the universe. What a dilemma. Discover secret of universe based on like just hearsay and like pure <laughs> conjecture or shoot it. Why are those the only two options? They're so it's tough. the meaning of life. Kill it. Kill it. I'm so happy to be careful. So American. I don't know if there's anything more American than this. Talk about take it or leave it. You gotta, I, I think if this happened in real life today, I swear to God, on freaking CNN, Fox News, MSNB, whatever, we'd be debating whether to destroy the meaning of life. And I don't think one of the options would be to drift. I think there would be something even worse we do. Remember what happened to that robot spaceship cadet? If, if you actually side with the captain, you're going so fast into space that you launch yourself into your own missile. Oh, I didn't see it. Yeah, that, I guess that is. must be what happens. I didn't understand it. If you're shooting a gun on a moving platform and the platform is going the speed of light or faster, <laughs> you will go faster, faster than your own bullet that you've shot? Is that, is that even possible? Yeah, I, it's a great problem. Just as I described it 12 years ago. The fact that it's the meaning of life that you're destroying. Yeah. How fast is the meaning of life? How fast does it travel? Yeah. I feel like a dolphin. I feel like the meaning of life has to travel faster than the speed of light. Or yes. maybe it's the slowest thing. All right, happy. You maneuver the observatory. Or maybe just the meaning of life, what I thought was it was just shooting back at you. It's like, fuck you. Dude, go for it. Trying to destroy me, it has its own gun. It's like, bam. Defending itself. And Gets dumbasses. The meaning of life is self-defense. It fits in line with the total pessimism of this. So, just getting back to the beginning of our conversation here. The attack. You think the meaning of life has an escape pod that it built first? <laughs> I'm out of here. <laughs> One day, I'm going to create Americans, I can tell, and they're gonna fucking try to kill me. So I'm gonna first, before I create the me life, I'm going to create an escape pod. Uh, Ari Montgomery and Edward Packard uh, remind me here in Space and Beyond and um, this book, Third Planet from Altair. Um, it's almost like they have a relationship with Probably the movie, let's be real here. I doubt they, at this point, read the Arthur C. Clarke book, but like, the 2001. 2001. I feel like this probably made a huge impression on them. Mm -hmm. And I feel like they are related to that movie like kind of the, the annoying bad musicians of our childhood are related to people. You know, we were talking earlier about the spirit of the 60s and kind of, you know, psychedelia. But then there were people who just liked the fast if you're one of those people, just kill yourself right now. Make the world a worse place every day you've been alive. And all the blues music or whatever jazz you played for your kids has just made their lives poorer than it otherwise could have been. You're a horrible person. What about that, Professor? Certainly, it would make it unlivable. The worst question that you're ever going to get? Hey, you like music? Oh, Shit. God. Run. Run away. 
doing things well. Oh, it's that. awful. I don't know where I've been. And I feel like that's what Edward Packard and Ari Montgomery said, you know, 2001. They weren't like, wow, that space baby blew my mind. Like it kind of did, but someone who would hear Bob Dylan and just be like, great harmonica playing, you know? <laughs> and I think that that's how they responded to like the, the maybe more abstract. We've talked about the Twilight Zone, some of that like science fiction, sure, sure. 60s, 70s, whatever. They were touched by it in the sense that they just loved how technically interesting it was. They were like, wow, a robot named Hal. That's cool. <laughs> yeah. Oh, cool. A monolith. And that's what this book just smacks of is like this. It's almost like 2001 was written by a dumbass. <laughs> and the beginning of the, the book has this inscription that we talked oh, about. Oh, I don't even have that part in my um, book. Well, you'll remember that I mentioned to you. It has this, uh, it's a dedication which is just hilarious after how bad this book is, how majestic this inscription is, hmm. to all those who would like to travel faster than light. Oh, shit. Oh, my God. What a letdown for all those people. In light of what we just read, where you travel faster than light, you shoot yourself. <laughs> yeah. So maybe that's like a, um, that's like a hidden fuck <laughs> you to everybody. Edward Packard's space adventure, yep. and you've got an Ari Montgomery space adventure. Get out of here. That's a no-brainer. No contest. You told me before we read either one of these, Buster Douglas beat Mike Tyson. I was going to give you a sports analogy, too. Yeah, yeah, I was thinking just like, yeah, a what basketball player. If you all of a sudden said, you know, Kevin Durant is going to play against, I don't know, freaking like... Um, who's a horrible basketball player right now. Uh, that would be splendid. Absolutely. It was astounding to me. Maybe just not the Her time conversation is terrible. You know, it just doesn't oh, add God. up Maybe to... just not the... Maybe just not the... Yeah, I, I'm with you. I feel like both of these books are very similar in that the, there's no characters, just a bunch of malfunctions to your spaceship and nothing happens. It's eerily similar. I can't believe Packard wrote such a bad book because I, I love this guy, but he's, he's had a couple clunkers here now. He's had practical experience with this thing. Space and Beyond is like this giant F that's just amazing because it's like zero points. Like this would be like a, like a, if you were, you know, a teacher, this would be like a 61% and you'd give them like, just let them barely pass the class even though they should probably fail. Whereas Space and Beyond is just a glorious clusterfuck. <laughs> Space and Beyond is way better because it's so infinitely horrible. It's oh, like it's I totally agree. Own work of art. Could not agree more. I think this is a solid C. Wow. Pickens, I think just having Pickens in here brings it up to a at least a D plus. Don't you think Pickens to me is a huge accident that he's so cool? He's got the groove. I don't think he planned for Pickens to have the kind of wacky character that we've thought of. I think he's just bad writing. He accidentally gives this guy no motivation to just say weird shit sometimes. I think it was an accident that he's so cool. I don't think you can hold that against a book if something <laughs> accidentally succeeds. Now here's a fine looking boy. Pink afro with lights and shit. And oh, even has lights in his lights hair? Lights and, and, wow. and different colors and talking to you and it's oh. humming and it has musical wow. things. Wow, like, this hair that sounds great. Like that guy is so lame, but look at how amazing this. all that the this other- This is somewhere. Enough said, thank you. Just 
booky enough to possibly be considered a book, whereas Space and Beyond is something beyond a book. And it's just so bad that it's almost triumphantly great, and we would much rather read that book. Oh, absolutely. I want you to party. Yes, sir. Before you die, try Wolf's Bakery, delicious lemon fluff. Lemon fluff cake is a lightly whipped lemon chiffon cake with a whipped custard filling and icing. Wolf's Bakery, sponsor of this Violent Death List. Killed by rat wolf bear. Drift disembodied through space for billions of years. Borg-like eternal damnation. Alien quicksand. Bacteria, lose will to live, eaten by underwater blob. Freeze Freeze and eat your own flesh. Friendship to death. Bad antibiotics. Alien slave death, end of universe. Explode or drown. Disintegrated. Alien building kills you. Hypnotized into other universe. Hit by missile. The secret of universe shoots you. Thank you to Wolf's Bakery for sponsoring this violent death list. All right, Bill, how do we feel about uh, the third planet from Altair? Yeah, this is a a, a prison read. I a, think so. A jail read. Yep. Trapped somewhere with nothing with this book. Yeah, if you maybe have a, a bad marriage, you might want to read this book if you're trapped in a bad marriage. Or if you're fond of old men. Yeah. What is that called? Gerontophilia? <laughs> I like Yeah, I think so. Maybe the t- gerontophilia. I don't know. Or is that more of a linguistic thing? Oh, maybe that just you love gerunds. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah, that's good enough for me. Yeah, write to us at readingroulette.net. If you have anything that related to you in any way in this book, we would love to hear it because we can't believe it. And tweet us and find us on Facebook and... You'll say the same thing, the same thing. Man, oh man, oh man, oh man! Man, oh man, oh man, oh man! That'll about do it for this week. Uh, excited to do Deadwood City. Awesome, going into the Wild West. I'm gonna get my spurs on. <laughs> there you are, gang. Deadwood City by Edward Packard. I'm hoping this is illustrated by Paul Granger. Annihilation. But we finally have a Western. Hey, that's great. Kind of exciting. <laughs> Maybe not. Maybe not at all. That's what these fellows think. Who is that Bollywood star who died oh, recently? Oh, in the bathtub, right? So yeah, when you hear this episode two years from now, remember that we were doing this, uh... The last number of the six Bollywood star drum. Uh, before we say goodnight, I would like to remind you of goodnight. Aldrich family is on the air, starring Ezra Stone as Henry Aldrich, that lovable hard luck kid. Consult your local newspaper or radio guide for time. An invisible force completely destroys matter without leaving a trace. A hole in outer space.
in outer space. I'm going to sign off for a minute, but we'll be back if they smash the head again. A hole in outer space. You've heard of Huddleston's ring, haven't you? You've heard of Huddleston's ring, haven't you? Hey, yeah. Oh, holy... You were very funny last week. Very.